You're listening to the Max Level Podcast for August 20th, 2018. On today's show, Brian talks about his adventures through Battle for Azeroth and Death's Gambit. The crew discusses the possible return of Time Splitters, some rumors surrounding Gamescom this week, and they reminisce on the first time we got our very own PCs. All this in the usual segments on today's episode of the Max Level Podcast. On with the show. So I do want to follow up on uh, something that we talked about briefly. Well, we actually spent about 10 minutes on it last week, but so many things have came out since we last talked about it. And it's just absolutely insane. Some of these things that we are now finding out. But uh, the one thing I do want to correct myself on is that the IGN editor that was fired for plagiarism, Philip Mayusin. Mayusin is his last name. Uh, I could not remember what his last name was last week when we were actually doing the recording. So that was my fault. But dude, so many things have came out where we, we, we found out that he's basically plagiarized everything that he did. And IGN is now scrubbing him from the record books and from the entire website in general. Anything that he wrote on there has now since been deleted. Um, well, the stories are still there, but if you click the stories, it just says this content has been removed due to allegations of um, plagiarism. So everything that he wrote has now since been removed off of IGN.com. And what's really crazy is that we found out that not only was he lifting from other websites like, you know, like Polygon, like he's just we, we found out that he actually was taking direct passages from Wikipedia. Um, and, and again, that's that's not OK. Wikipedia is not an encyclopedia. And even if it was an encyclopedia, if you are going to take something like that, you do still have to cite it like you do. I mean, if you're if you're using some, utilizing something like that and it's not your own words and it's not your work, you do have to literally cite it like, you know, anytime that I'm reading something, I always say, you know, I, I pulled this article from GameSpot.com or something like I always yeah. give credit to where I'm reading. And, you know, our weekly scoop news reports, those articles usually come from Gimatsu.com or GameSpot. Those are the two websites I pull up our articles from to, uh, you know, to, to source the weekly scoop news report. But we one of the things that we saw was that he was plagiarizing from other IGN editors. <laughs> so he was literally taking sentences from other people's reviews and just changing the words to match the game that he was reviewing. Um, but the but the one big thing that I saw here and the one the one reason why I wanted to do a follow up is because the developer for a game that we actually did um, a reaction to back when we used to do game oracles called inner space he had made some comments on twitter saying that basically when philip reviewed the game he lifted a substantial chunk of the review from the actual text of the game itself and he said that you know based off of reading the review and watching the video review for this game the developer could clearly tell that it was factually inaccurate about the core mechanics of the gameplay and the way the game progressed to where he'd never played the game. And due to that, that definitely hurt sales because he said here, I can't imagine how his shit damaged content creators whose work was outright stolen, plus the number of developers whose games are covered inaccurate, plus everyone being publishers, freelancers, employees, families who are behind the media of this industry. He said IGN is massive. They set public opinion a lot of times and 
It's true. Uh, he said that it, he said that it's insane that their quality standards and fact checking are so bad that they didn't catch this. Um, and, and I do agree with that. And obviously, the person that hired now, from what I understand, the person that hired Philip at IGN was let go. I don't know if this was recently or several weeks or months ago. I don't know, but the person that hired Philip was also let go at some point in the past year. But whoever is in charge of doing the like, because. You know, anytime that, you know, we write things here, I always run it through a plagiarism checker. Yeah, I have to. And yeah, I, I do it for I do it to cover myself because I'm not out there purposely plagiarizing something. But sometimes my thoughts could be similar to someone else's. And if that's the case, a plagiarism checker, which, you know, there there are free versions and there are premium versions that you have to pay for. But a, a plagiarism checker would let you know if you know, something is close to or similar. And if that's the case, if something ever pops up or triggers that I wrote, I will rewrite it to where it's not, it doesn't even sound similar. It, it keeps you honest because, you know, right. you're, you, you read so much media and you know that it, things are going to get stuck in your head. That's why a lot of songs sound the same. Uh, it's right. No, yeah, for well, sure. Well, 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 whereas this guy is literally just copying lyrics from one song to another. Uh, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and changing the name of the song. So, no, I just wanted to do a quick follow-up on that just to uh, just to kind of... And, th and that's going to be the last time I, I talk about him because I think he's a just piece of crap in the industry and definitely did more harm than good. Um, just sucks, man. It just... I just... I, I really think this is going to change a lot of things when it comes to reviews and coverage of video games in the media industry. So, you know, we're going to have to definitely, um, definitely keep an eye and see where things are going, because obviously this doesn't affect us as much as it's going to affect the bigger sites, but it's still it will trickle down and it still does affect us in the long run. So screw you, Philip Mason, for for being a total asshole and stupid so you big dummy yeah you, you big dummy but uh now that that's out of the way if you didn't know this is the max level podcast a video game podcast brought to you by leveldowngames.com i'm brian joined as always by the self-proclaimed king of long island frank hey guys special shout out to dance with the dead for allowing us to use their music for our videos everyone absolutely needs to go check these guys out and support their music they can be found on bandcamp spotify soundcloud youtube pretty much everywhere check them out you will not be disappointed and their album did drop this past week on august 14th loved to death and uh the music that you're hearing in this episode is all from that album now so uh the actual music uh, I've, debuted I've, I've listened recently. to the album four times already oh i've listened it's been on repeat for a while but uh the actual music itself debuted with the most recent episode of revisiting the classics which was your look at Mega Man 2 um i i put the that that was the debut episode where the music hit and then there was also music in Critical Quest, which was from the new album. So, yeah, everything you're hearing this episode, except for the music for Kickstart My Heart, because that is literally that can't change that one because it literally goes with the theme of the, the segment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So but uh, and it's so good that they actually did cover that song. So that way we could do that. Uh, brief bit of housekeeping, though, before we jump into the rest of the show, Max Level and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project. If you'd like to see it continue to grow and become something even bigger, consider supporting us through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of this podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us. All right, let's go ahead and jump into campaign games. As that sound that you heard was something new we're doing. Obviously, the yeah, we, we can't hear it right now. It's all added in post-production. 
But uh, oh, so, oh, no, 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 no. Something that we're doing now, obviously, we're going to have audio cues for a lot of our segments. So uh, I, I don't know how we're going to you know exactly what they are at the time of recording, but we will know, obviously, when the show comes out. Um, but yeah, the sound that you heard there is going to be your audio cue that we are moving into campaign games. And if you remember last week, campaign games now is where we take a deep dive into games each and every week. Uh, this is not, you know, we, we obviously this is a branch out from what we've been playing and we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, so we've got two campaign games this week that we're going to focus on. Uh, Frank, I know you did not play either one of those two games, so you'll just have to um, enjoy the discussion. I'll interject here and there. Yeah, and, and, and interject. But there's one game in particular that I really want you to play. And that's the first game that I'm going to kick things off with here in campaign games. And that's Death's Gambit. Now, I didn't get really a ton of time to put into Death's Gambit this past week because of the other campaign game we're going to get to here in a minute. But if you remember, Death's Gambit is that 2D side-scrolling Dark Souls Bloodborne game where it's literally identical to Dark Souls. So, but it's pixelated and it's beautiful. Obviously, Dark Souls is completely 3D and, you know, a AAA game with fantastic graphics and it looks awesome. Death's Gambit also looks awesome but it looks awesome because it has that retro style to it and you start the game and you have the choice between different classes you know you can play as a, a an assassin which is basically your rogue you can play as um as just a warrior you could play as a blood knight which is the class that i chose uh blood knights use axes and they are very aggressive to where and and, and i like it because they have the um they have the combat style that is what I kind of like from Bloodborne, where if you get hit, you have a certain amount of time you can rush back in and attack and regain some of your lost HP. So that's okay. why I, that's why I chose Blood Knight, because, you know, if I get attacked, I can hurry up and rush in and, and try to get some of that back before. Because, you know, when you get hit, you'll you'll see like how much health you're going to lose and then it'll slowly trickle down. But if you can get back in and start attacking, you can actually build it up to stop it. So it doesn't go down as far as it should. So that, that that's actually really cool. So there's Blood Knights. There's um, a class that, and I don't remember the names of all the classes. There's a class that basically can use every weapon in the game, but you have to have more skill points than what would be rig- originally needed to equip the weapons. Um, there's a ranged class. And then there's... A class that you basically play as death, if I remember correctly. So you pick one of those classes and the class only affects the abilities that you're going to get. Um, it won't affect too much thing else. You know, too many other things as you get further into the game, which veterans of from software games will will know. I mean, it doesn't matter what class you start out with um, as you get into the later portions of the game, because at that point, you know, you can pretty much do anything and everything with every class. The only thing that it will affect is what happens at the beginning and the first few hours of the game. Um, but, you know, when you're when you're leveling and when you're playing, you are defeating enemies. And obviously each enemy is brutal. Um, even normal enemies need to be dodged. You need to watch their movements. You need to, you know, recognize their animations so that you know where the openings are to actually go in and attack Uh, and there's a lot of trial and error involved so you know once you beat an enemy once you see an enemy you'll you'll start to okay i'd use this 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 and it's kind of hard not to forget how to take down one enemy so in the first area that i was going through after i and i didn't die till i got to the first mini boss 
um, which is about, I, I would say, 45 minutes into the game is when okay. I first died. So I, I, I don't usually die right away in Dark Souls and Bloodborne type games. Um, I can usually get through the normal enemies no problem because I do. I dodge a lot. I block a lot. I roll a lot. You do have a shield where you can block attacks and, and death gambit. Um, and you can equip two two weapons. So you have one as your main weapon, one as your secondary weapon. Um, and when you're blocking, you can actually kick. So if you have an enemy that's blocking as well, you can you block, you go up to them, you kick, and then you can actually hit them. So um, going through that doing these when you kill enemies you are collecting for lack of a better word as i always say they're just souls so you get these souls and you can actually pray or rest at these statues and which are the equivalent of like the bonfires and dark souls so you will rest at or the lanterns and bloodborne you will rest at these statues and you can choose to spend your souls into any of the different skill categories that you want so like there's endurance which like, like, like branching kind of paths or just um for for the trait for the talent traits yes but uh-huh. for for the for the souls where you're investing these things and it's just the, the they're your attributes so okay. you're investing the souls into the attributes so you can you can invest in your vitality which will increase your health you can increase, uh, invest in your strength which will increase your damage but it also uh, increases your damage with strength based weapons, which axes tend to be. So I'm focusing on that category a lot. Um, endurance will increase your stamina so you can do more. You can attack more. You can roll more because you do have a stamina bar. When your stamina bar depletes, you have to wait for it to get back up and you're vulnerable when that's up because you can't roll. You can't. I mean, you could dodge, but you can't roll and you can't attack. So you're very vulnerable. Uh, rolling is crucial to any of these types of games, obviously being being agile because you definitely want to avoid all the attacks and it's as simple as when when the animation starts for the enemy you literally just tap the roll button and you pretty much will dodge everything it, i mean it's it but you you have to get the timing down right the, the game is all about timing which dark souls and bloodborne is all about timing as well um there's finesse which will increase like scythes and different types of weapons there um trying to remember all the different attribute categories but basically you want to come up with a build that is going to not only suit your play style so if you tend to die a lot you may want to invest more in vitality so that you have higher health um if you don't tend to die a lot and you're good at dodging and you're good at playing these types of games which i'm not bad at these types of games but i wouldn't say that i'm an expert either so i don't need a ton of vitality i i usually always put a few points into vitality at the start of the game as i'm as i get some souls but i tend to focus on endurance which will be stamina and the strength the most at the in, in the initial hours of the game so um when, when we get later into the game i'll put more into into health but I, i've seen people do runs not of death scam but of dark souls and bloodborne where they hardly ever in, invest into vitality and just focus on stamina and their and their weapon categories of choice um, but you had mentioned branching paths and there are skill points or I'm sorry, uh, at trait points that you unlock where you can invest in skill trees. So you unlock your first talent trait. And then from there, after you unlock the first one, you can select one of three. Um, and then the, what based off of the one that you select, there's there's where your different branching paths come from. And from there, there's branching paths off of that branching path where you can different, you know, take different things as well. So you can definitely play around, mix and match, create a build that definitely is suited to your play style and um, and have fun. I mean, the, the game is definitely enjoyable. I'm, I'm really enjoying Death's Gambit. Again, I didn't get a ton of time to put into it just because of the other game that I'm, I'm going to talk about in a second, which is our other second campaign game. Um, I like how they handled the, you know, you always resurrect even when you die. 
So at the start of the game, you basically sign a contract in blood with death. And he basically has you, you know, you, you're pretty much working for him, much like flipping death. I mean, the, the a lot of these games that, that came out in, the, in August are, are somewhat similar in nature. It's really weird. But um, they, uh, they so they handled it really well to do that. And it's just fun, man. It, it's it's very much it's very much a Dark Souls Bloodborne clone, like to the to the point where. There's no, there's no denying it. Like they were clearly inspired by Dark Souls Bloodborne. I'm pretty sure the developers have even said that themselves, and and they decided to just make a retro feeling Dark Souls Bloodborne. Visually, you could just you could absolutely tell. But uh, yeah. how's the how's the combat? Is it fluid? Is it yes, very fluid. Um, it reminds me more of Bloodborne than it does Dark Souls. I know that means nothing to you because you haven't played either one of the games yet. But Bloodborne was more fast, more action packed, whereas Dark Souls was more methodic you had to take your time you had to you know do you you definitely had to block more in dark souls you had to you know not attack as often you had to wait whereas bloodborne was like i like i mentioned earlier with because of the reason i chose the blood knight class you you it's more aggressive you rush in you're still blocking you're still dodging but it's it's more action-packed so it's very fluid though very responsive uh, the combat, uh, I'm sorry, the controls are really tight. So, I mean, I haven't had any issues. I'm playing it on PC through Steam um, and, and, and shout out to the developer. They're the reason I'm playing it. You know, they did give us a copy of the game. So, but uh, it, it just having a blast playing this game. Um, and, and obviously you have your Estus flasks, which are, they're not Estus flasks here. They're they're basically feathers and you consume these feathers and that that's how you heal throughout the game. So Estus flasks were in Dark Souls where you could basically heal with those. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. It's a fun game. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting further into it. Um, like I said, I the first time I died was on the first mini boss. Have you um, have you killed a, a giant? No. No, 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 no. Not yet? Okay. no, I literally I literally went to one of the statues after I fought the mini boss in the first area saved. And that's all I've done. So I, I've put maybe an hour and a half, probably closer to two hours into the game. but almost an hour of that was learning the mini boss. And I know that kind of sucks to say because the mini boss wasn't entirely difficult, but I struggled there for a couple attempts, not really knowing what to do. And I, I think it was because I, I was under the impression that it was going to behave similarly to the way that dark souls did where I, I didn't realize the mini boss was coming at first and I died right away. Like, you know, I, I jumped, I got into the fight cutscene happened. I wasn't prepared. My health was low. I was out of my feathers. Uh, I two hits and I was done. So when I died, I was like, well, shit, I, I thought I lost all my souls that I had accumulated because I I'm, I'm used to playing the way that, you know, Dark Souls and Bloodborne have engraved in my mind where if you rest at a statue, all the enemies re respawn. Like anytime you rest, everything in the level responds, like everything resets because it's meant to be challenging. So I tend to only go to the level up points and the resting points when absolutely necessary um, so I, I was just playing in that mindset and I got to this mini boss. I wasn't prepared, died. And when you die in dark souls and bloodborne, you lose your souls. Well, in death gambit, I think it's worth mentioning. You don't lose them. So, cool. but I didn't realize that because I went back to get my stuff and I was like, I got to go get my thing. So I went back to the mini boss. I grabbed my stuff. And I tried to leave. And that's when I realized there's a wall that, that shuts and blocks you in there. So then I tried to fight her again that time. And, um, you know, I still lost. But when I responded the second time, that's when I noticed I still had my souls. I was like, oh, sweet. So I hurried up, invested them in, in the statue that I respond at, leveled up like six or seven times because I had like four or five hundred souls. And then um, I did two runs. So I went back to her 
purposely died to reinvest the souls again in the statue and then went back again to, you know, and, and doing this entire run because that was the entire level. So killing everything along the way to where I could put a ton of points into stamina, into strength and into vitality. So that way I would be able to defeat her. So doing all that was probably about an hour's worth of time. And then two attempts, literally learning her attacks, studying her, watching the animations and figuring out exactly what I needed to do. Um, once you do that, though, the, the, it's definitely not as challenging. So and, and the bosses are going to be the same way. It's, it's all trial and error. You literally just have to watch and wait. And you don't rush in unless you know exactly what you're doing. Like did literally, even if you know what you're doing, still wait like one or two attempts to make sure that what you're doing is correct. So that way you don't rush in foolishly and die. Uh, fans of From Software, fans of Dark Souls, fans of Bloodborne, you owe it to yourself to play Death's Gambit. Um, it, it's a beautiful love letter to those types of games done in a retro style. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's great. It's fun. I definitely recommend this game. Check it out. The other campaign game that I want to move into here is World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth. Which, uh, this expansion came out. Uh, it, it's a massively multiplayer online role playing game. I don't know if you've ever heard of MMORPGs, but uh, no, I know you have. Um, no, I, uh, I, I lost you for about a day or so. Well, yeah, I definitely have been wrapped up into this. So it launched at 6 p.m. Eastern time one week ago. So this would have been Monday, August 13th. And I did 27 hours straight not including two hours so technically i did i was technically awake for like 33 ish hours starting from late afternoon monday through pretty much late after late evening like late night early morning wednesday um i was up playing i think i went to bed at like two o'clock 2 a.m wednesday morning so i was up for a while uh the servers went down monday morning for a about an hour and a half so that I would have technically been online for longer, but because those servers went down, I took a break. I went and relaxed. I ate some food, you know, just kind of sat on the couch and kind of re unwinded a bit because I was sitting in this Technisport gaming chair for so long. But thank God I have it. Super comfortable. 10% off. Offer code LDG. I don't actually promote it anymore. Obviously, we don't do that, but I thought it'd be funny to stick it in there. Um, but uh, no. So it was really cool because at 6 p.m., as soon as the servers clicked over to Battle for Azeroth stuff, which they just flip a switch. I mean, if you're logged in when the when the expansion goes live, you pretty much just get a quest that pops up on your screen saying, hey, you know, this content is now available. Go do it. So everything has been plugged into the, you know, to the realms, into the servers since the pre patch. So all they had to do was literally turn it on. But Sean and I, you know, Sean's a boom dog, however you know him as we were ready to go at right at right when servers went up and we started playing and. We, he, him and I just kind of were going through the content, enjoying the leveling system. Uh, he did have to stop at one point. I kept going. I, I wasn't, you know, I no, no nothing against him, but, you know, I, I didn't want to wait around. I didn't want to wait. So I kept playing, even though he had to go take care of some stuff and some family stuff he had to do that evening. Um, you know, he's on the West Coast, so he's three hours behind where, where we're at here on the East Coast. So, you know, when it's like nine, ten o'clock for me, it's only like six, seven o'clock for them. And, you know, that that's prime time so he had to go get some stuff done he came back at like a couple hours later i want to say it was around 1 30 ish 2 a.m tuesday morning when he came back and he stayed with me again for four hours after that so really really cool um it was cool because i 
if I rushed straight through Battle for Azeroth, I could have went from 110 to 120 in about 14 hours. Uh, maybe a little bit less, maybe closer to 12, because that's what I was noticing. I noticed some people do it in about seven or eight hours. Um, and, wow. and if you really apply yourself, it's possible. I mean, you just literally focus on questing, 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 questing. And that's it. Don't do anything else but quests, because questing is where everything comes from. Um, I kept going back to the auction house because, you know, on my mage, I have herbalism and mining and I'm sitting there. I'm every note I see. I'm picking herbs. I'm mining it. I would keep going back to the auction house to sell. And every time I got like, you know, green items like BOE, buy on equips, I would go back to the auction house to sell. I've made over 100,000 gold since the expansion launched. Um, you know, herbs. You, and you could, you could have used that to buy the expansion. Well, I would have needed that times nine basically to buy oh. the expansion. Um, but I, I have since crossed over 400,000 gold. Um, like I said, uh, one of my when we talked about our bucket lists, I we did obviously um one of the things that I mentioned was I wanted to be a Warcraft millionaire. I'm still working on that. So, uh, you know, when when I cross that million gold for the first time, it's going to be an amazing feeling. But uh, I, I really feel like I'm going to do it this expansion because of the mining and the herbs. Uh, it's the first expansion that I've actually had two gathering professions on a character that I'm actively playing where I can make money the entire expansion. So I'm not worried about, you know, not crossing that threshold, this expansion. Uh, it's going to be a good feeling when I get there. But I kept going back to the auction house in Stormwind and stopping my leveling. So when Sean came back on um, at, you know, in the middle of the night, he was able to catch up to me in the quest while I was selling stuff at the auction house and while I kept going back. So it was really cool because we then got to the same point again where we were on the exact same quest in the exact same area. And we almost finished the entire area, the first zone that we were in before he ended up having to go to bed. And that was at, um, I want to say that was 6 a.m., 7 a.m., my time, our time. Uh, and the servers went offline. As soon as he went offline, I made a joke to him the next day when he came back on. I was like, dude, the servers went off like 20 minutes after you logged out. So you picked a good time because they, they did a server reset to fix some things. And, um, you know, that's when I took my break, came back, kept playing. But the leveling process in Battle for Azeroth has been very smooth. I had no issues when when the servers launched. Uh, there were a couple realms that did have some issues. Uh, you know, the very high population servers like Tychondrius, Stormrage, Area 52, um, any any I think Moonguard had issues. Any realm that there's like just tons and tons and tons and tons of people playing definitely had issues logging in. Um, but for realms where it's just medium to high population, low population we had no issues getting in, which was nice. Um, the one thing I do want to say, these zones are massive and they have to be because you have only three zones per leveling each faction. So, you know, the whole theme of Battle for Azeroth is the Horde versus Alliance once again. And the Alliance, you know, you have your Kaltiris region. So you have Drustvar, you have um, Storm Valley, Stormsong Valley, Stormsong Valley. And you have Tiragard Sound. Um, the Horde, you have Zandalar. And I don't remember what the names of the Zandalar continent is, like the names of the three zones. Because crazy enough, I haven't really been there yet. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, well, no, dude, dude, trust me. There's a ton of stuff I haven't done. Like, I'm behind where I want it to be at this point. So um, the zones are so big that I went from 110 to 116 and a half in the first zone. That's typically unheard of because, you know, when when throughout leveling, you 
you know, in most expansions, there's like five or six zones. You may have one and a half left over when you hit max level. I still did have one and a half left over, but that's out of three zones. So that's insane that I was able to get six and a half levels out of the first zone and then the other three and a half levels in the second zone I went to. But the second zone that I went to when I hit 120, I was not even at the halfway point yet. So it's just crazy how massive these zones are. I have since finished that zone at max level. So I still have and what's insane. I still have the third area to do on the alliance side that I've not done a single quest in yet at all. So I still have I haven't even touched Drustvar at time of recording. I have said by the time you're listening to this, I'd probably have finished it. But at time of recording, I have not even touched Drustvar. So I still have to go to Drustvar. And then from there, the, once I finish Drustvar, I'll actually finish the 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 requirements to fit to continue on with the war campaign for the alliance side from there i'll start going over to the horde side now while leveling you do um you do establish one base each on the hordes continent but it was so hectic so chaotic the first night i wasn't really paying attention i don't that's why i don't remember the names of the zones i i have it's not that i haven't been to those zones i have but it was only for anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes per zone oh so it was quick yeah yeah basically quick and easy get in get out because you know i'm just getting in there establishing the base doing the five to ten quests necessary to fit to establish the base and then you're sent back on a ship back to your own back to your own section um Eventually, though, you can accept these contracts where you can establish more bases on the Horde side and they're doing the same thing on the Alliance side. You know, they're establishing bases on our zone. So that way we they can complete the world quests on our continent. We can complete the world quests on their continent. Plus, you know, there's rare items or I'm sorry, rare mobs to farm over there. Mounts that you can get tons of stuff to do on the Horde side, just like there's tons of stuff for them to do on our side. Um, it's a really cool idea. And the one thing I like about it is that you are literally separated by the ocean to get to the other person's faction, the other factions zone. You do have to take the boat. Um, I think when flying becomes available, you will not be able to fly to the other person's or the other factions area. Like you literally have to take the boat and cross the sea. Kind of cool. I like that concept. It definitely puts some separation between the two. Um, very much like Eastern Kingdoms and Kalimdor, which are the two original continents with Eastern Kingdoms being heavily um, you know, swayed into the Alliance side and Kalimdor heavily swayed to the Horde side. And even more so now with the destruction of the Undercity and the destruction of Darnassus. There's not a single Alliance city on Kalimdor and there's not a single Horde city on Eastern Kingdoms anymore, excluding Silvermoon on the Eastern Kingdoms, which is at the very north, excluding uh, Exodar, which is technically Kalimdor, but it's on its own island. Um, and, and you can't get to Silvermoon from Eastern Kingdoms. You do have to phase into the Burning Crusade stuff, so... They've pretty much now made it to where Eastern Kingdoms is all Alliance, Kalimdor is all Horde. Um, dungeons have been really fun so far in Battle for Azeroth. Uh, you know, I'm playing a mage, playing a glass cannon DPS. Uh, still really learning my mage rotation at max level, still trying to get better with the DPS. Um, but I'm but I'm getting more comfortable. I'm definitely doing different things. I'm changing things around uh, all the time, trying to figure out exactly what I can do to min-max and, and do the best that I can. But the dungeons are very responsive very fun very responsive they 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 feel better than a lot of previous expansions early dungeons uh, a lot of great stories being told excellent music i will say excellent music in this expansion uh be on the lookout if you're a listener to our bg mania podcast we are going to be doing a bonus episode for the battle for azeroth soundtrack uh i purchased the soundtrack it's amazing dude 
it's so good. There's like, I think there's 20 or 21 tracks. Um, so when we do our bonus episode, we'll be doing a majority of those things. We always do 16 episodes or 16 tracks per episode usually. So when, when we do that bonus episode, you'll hear a majority of this, of the stuff in there. Uh, it's fantastic. The soundtrack is so good. Uh, I was, I was thoroughly impressed. But, uh, is this, is this different from you not playing with a group? Um, yeah, it's totally different. So I'm not in, you know, I, I am in a guild, but I'm in my own guild on this mage. I, I do think I'm going to have to move my mage to my main guild just because I'm lonely, dude. So I, I'm out there playing like there's literally nothing going on. I'm by myself. Um, I'm queuing for things like I'm queuing for dungeons. I'm I'm finding groups of the group finder to do, you know, quests where I need more than one person. But it's just different not leveling with other people. Like, obviously, Sean yeah. and I played for a while together, but, you know, I'm used to going the whole distance with somebody and, you know, from there immediately jumping into a group of five and farming dungeons for gear and then jumping into heroics and jumping into mythics and getting ready for raids. So it's a totally different experience, um, coupled with the fact that I leveled the entire time with war mode enabled so if you remember from our previous discussion uh, in one of the episodes of max level war mode is world pvp and with war mode turned on you get a 10 percent increase to your quest experience and you know leveling experience which was crucial i wasn't going to pass that up um i you know i turned that on and you know leveling was quicker so you know had i had that off i it would have taken me even longer to get to max level so I had that on, but because I had that on, you have access to PvP talents while you're playing the game and while you're out there questing. Now, in the dungeons and stuff, in Dungeons and Rage, you still can't use your PvP talents. But when you're out in the world and questing, you can use PvP talents because technically world PvP, world PvP is enabled, so you always have to ex- access to your talents. And uh, definitely made a huge difference because some of my main spells were able to be targetable where I could choose where I'm dropping my frost orbs or my frozen orbs instead of, you know, have them have to set, follow a set path. So super cool. Um, I have since turned it off because when I was at max level at 120, I was doing some quests on a, on an Island off, off of the Northeast of Stormsong Valley. And it was just a random quest chain that I happened to stumble upon up there near the shrine of the storms dungeon. And there was about 30 horde up on that Island while I was up there questing. I was the only Alliance character up there. Yeah, probably not a good thing to do. <laughs> I was the only Alliance character up there at the time. 30 other Horde, like anywhere from 20 to 30 Horde up there also doing the same quest. Now, some of most of them are cool. Most of them, you know, obviously we, we turn war mode on, but that's just because that we want to reap the rewards, basically. Like we're still not actively seeking out world PvP. At least I'm not. There were a couple horde on that island, though, doing these quests that were gunning for me and kept coming after me. And, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm easy to kill uh, once I run out of stuff. Like, I obviously have my shield constantly on, you know, my my, my age armor. Um, when I'm at a cooldown, so and I'm literally just spamming Frostbolt, nothing's up. I'm going to be easy to take down. So I can I can burst down easily killable things like I can I can kill one or two in a group before I die. But other than that, I'm toast. So and then I started getting camped and I kept getting ganked. And I was like, all right, that's it. This is where I turned it off. So I waited until I could respawn in a safe place, hurried up, blinked away, quickly portaled to Stormwind and and disabled war mode. And from there, went back and finished the quests. So one thing I was noticing, though, while playing with war mode on, and it was a it was an observation that I had made to Sean while we were leveling. The areas felt very empty. 
in terms of other players. And I was like, what is going on? Because I know there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people playing right now, if not millions. Why do these areas feel so empty? Like the quests are, you know, normally the quest givers are, you know, just pounded by people like you can't even see them because they're just sitting there with mounts on them and stuff. It's like, what is going on? Why are we not seeing people? I found out that when war mode enabled, you get put into different shards. So you'll be grouped up with people that have war mode on. You're not seeing people that don't have it turned on. Gotcha. But, but from there, you also are just getting segmented into smaller groups so that the world PVP doesn't become unrealistic and too much to handle for the servers. So if you have war mode enabled, you are only seeing a maximum number of people per, per shard in the world, which is why it felt so empty. I turned war mode off, like I was saying, I instantly saw hundreds, if not thousands of more people out in the world. It's so, the explosion of the people. That yeah, 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 yeah. So that that's why that's why. And I, I, it was so weird to me. I was like, why am I not seeing more people? But that's why. But that's a smart thing. That's smart technology that Blizzard is using. So that way, world PVP is is, is it just feels more natural, I guess, instead of having just hundreds or thousands of horde and alliance fighting again, causing lag and probably causing servers to crash. Um, but yeah, I'm just having an absolute blast with Battle for Azeroth. There's so much I need to get done. Uh, my item level is just shy of 300 while questing. I've, I've been doing some normal dungeons. I'm queuing for random normal dungeons. Um, my, my goal right now is to literally finish all the quests that I can do on the Alliance side and open up the world quest, start working on the Horde stuff. And from there, I'm going to really start banging out the heroic dungeons, getting ready for mythic dungeons, running some mythic dungeons and getting ready for the first raid. So at this point, I'm behind where I actually wanted to be when I finished on day one was 100 percent done with the Alliance stuff. Um, I wanted to be 100 percent done with the continent of Kul And then that way, day two could have been the Horde. Didn't get there. As soon as I hit max level, I literally turned a quest in, dinged 120, hearthed to the city, logged out, went to bed. <laughs> literally did well, not did not stop, did not keep playing after I hit 120. I literally stopped right then and there. So um, and what's insane is that I three days later, so Thursday night into Friday, I also pulled an all nighter playing Warcraft, did not sleep that night. So I, I did two 24 plus hour days of, of Warcraft over the past week, um, which uh, is a madman, Brian, which well, it's totally not unheard of. I used to base my vacations around Warcraft when I was actually working. I would always take a week off and, and pretty much do the same thing. I wouldn't play. 20, I mean, I would I always, always, always play 24 plus hours day one, but I never would do another 24 plus hour day. Um, I would I would just play like eight to 10 hours each day that week. Um, but I, you know, I was taking paid vacation specifically to do that. Um, now I'm technically working to play and I'm working on the review and, you know, this is what I do for a living so I can get away with it as well. But uh, it, it's been fun. I'm definitely behind still in terms of where I need to be with reviews and writing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this just isn't helping at all. But uh, I am going to get caught up eventually here. I have to. I literally have to get caught up. So <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I'm sure I'll be having more to say about Battle for Azeroth in the coming weeks and months. Um, it will not be a campaign game again until it gets its next major patch. When it gets the next major patch, I will go ahead and talk about it more as a campaign game. Um, I, I will keep it in the tasty treats section and just kind of briefly talk about what I'm doing each and every week. But uh, fr from there, speaking of tasty treats, let's go ahead and move into that. 
talk about what else we've been playing over the past seven days. I've been talking for 35 minutes now. I'm going to let you go ahead. What have you played this week? Okay. Um, well, I've only really been playing the same two games I've been playing. Uh, I've got a lot of progress done in Octopath Traveler. Okay. Uh, at first blush, Octopath Traveler is a sprite-based... Oh, wait, stop. That's IGN article. Um, <laughs> Come on, Philip. I have just recruited my eighth traveler. Um, I went for the merchant. She's my last one, Tessa. Yeah, okay. Uh, so she's my last one. Uh, and uh, I haven't f- actually finished her little side story yet. Uh, so that's what's where I am. But I, I've, been, I've been playing the hell out of this. Uh, I'm really, really high level. I feel like I'm over leveling, but but I'm not. Okay. Because because the game keeps scaling up. Like all, all these zones are saying like, you know, don't go here to your level 20. Now it's saying don't go here to your level 25. Right. Which is what I was telling you when before before you had started playing it. Like it's it's really cool how the game will scale up based on the number of characters that you have. And it it, it, base, it makes it so that you can't, like I was saying, you can't really out level. Cause I, cause I don't want to out level the game. I want to, I, I like the, the challenge that's going on right here. Uh, I've actually, I can't wait to start unlocking the job shrines so I can kind of change up these characters. Uh, but I'm having a blast with that. But also I, I've been putting a lot a lot, a lot of time in a dead cells. I finally beat my first boss. Nice. Is it the one that you had talked about last week? Yes. Okay. And it took me nine attempts at him. <laughs> so yeah, well, I'm at the point now where I have ten thousand gold every time I die. Okay. Wow. Nice. Uh, I I use my health flask three times. I have I, I'm always getting a, a a random weapon, usually a good one is when I start. I, I found that my method has been just kind of rushing through the first two or three sections uh, just to get to the uh, like to, to, to ramparts to get to uh, the black gate. Um, just because you get bonuses for hitting those time doors along the way. Right, right, right. That's yeah, it. you definitely have to be quicker so that way you can get some of the some of the better stuff. So because by rushing through them, you're doing yourself a little bit of a disservice because you're not picking up like uh, the, the cells you get for killing enemies. But you make that up by picking them up inside there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I got there and I beat him using my health class three times, having health somewhere in like the 1600s. Still had a sliver of health left when I beat him. So nice. So it's still challenging. It's not easy. Mm-mm. But uh. And then I got to the next section and I died in one hit. So, because you know, when, in between sections, you heal, you're fully healed up. Mm-hmm. K- killed me in one hit. Uh, didn't even have a chance to use my health. Like, my, my health wasn't just done. Nice. But uh, but hopefully by next week, I'll have a. So, actually, uh, you know, bleh, I can't speak English. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> hopefully by next week. Uh, I should be powerful enough to just kind of zip my way right through. Nice. I, I, I my plan, just based on the, the timing frames, I'm gonna have this game beat within a month or so. Cool. That'd be that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's obviously a decent time frame to shoot for. Yeah, fingers crossed. That and that's with like three hours. That's a, that's about three hours of playing a day too. So there yeah, you go. exactly, exactly. Um, did you play anything else? 
that's all I played, just those two games. Okay. Like, that, that I can remember. Yeah, well, and, and that we can talk about, I will say. Um, well, that, that's, yeah. That's yeah. Frank and I are both playing two games right now that uh, th- that we were lucky enough to get uh, two copies of each. So that way, you know, we could we could both get it. So so we're going to have that plus another game that I'm personally playing on the side that we'll have for. So we'll have three campaign ne- games next week that uh, none of those three games we can actually talk about right now. So those three games, I mean, I definitely I, I've put a little bit of time into all three of those as well this week, but not enough to where even if we could talk about them, I wouldn't feel comfortable enough to say anything about it. So. Um, the one thing I will say, I do want to quickly plug revisiting the classics. Go check that out. This past week's episode was Mega Man 2, which Frank did play for that. And then I recently did Guacamelee 2 for Critical Quest, which happens to come out tomorrow. So go check that. Uh, I did play that as well, but um, I, own, I I played it a little bit longer than what you saw in the video, but not much longer. But by the time this comes out, I'll play it a lot more because I'll have the review up uh, soon. So keep an eye out for that. The only other game I briefly want to talk about for my tasty treat, I did play a game called Musinx on Nintendo Switch, which uh, publisher Actile did give us a copy of this game. It's been out for a little while now. Uh, it's basically a Guitar Hero clone, um, okay. but like it's an anime Vocaloid style, very much like Hatsune Miku. But instead of the stuff showing up on screen where you're pushing buttons, it actually is rolling down a thing like Guitar Hero and you're pushing on the D-pad, either the left button or the up button. And then on the, the face buttons, A and X. So those are your four buttons when you're playing in four button mode. There's six button mode, which will add the right button plus Y. Uh, it's it's definitely more challenging than it seems and that, than it than it sounds, because when, when playing on a guitar, you know, you have the buttons there very easy to do when playing on a controller. It's like playing guitar here with a controller, which I don't think I ever would have been able to do because I, I don't just. Like the motor skills and, you know, being able to remember, OK, this button is that the button is that like it just again, guitar, the buttons lined up down left to right. It was very easy to remember. Plus, guitar is a lot easier than than hitting buttons on a controller. Um, but I'm, I, I am having fun with this game. But one thing I one thing that sucks that I did find out, you can push all four buttons at once and literally get credit. So, you know, whereas in Guitar Hero, if you hit the wrong button or Rock Band, if you hit the wrong button or you held on a button that wasn't part of it, depending on if it was too high, too low, you wouldn't get credit even if you were holding the the right button down for the right note. In Musinx, even if it's, say, the left D-pad button, you can hit all four buttons and it'll register as, you know, perfect or whatever. So if you hit all four buttons every time the the notes go through, you're going to basically 100% streak every song. Um, which, which does take a lot of the fun away. I, I just was messing around when I, when I figured that out. So I did two songs to do it that way to see if it actually worked and it does, but I wouldn't recommend doing that. I, I definitely think it's more fun to actually try to get the rhythm down, try to get the memorizations yeah. down. Um, a very, very Japanese, very anime types presentation going on here. Uh, but it's a fun little game. It's a, it's a very fun little game that, uh, if you're looking for a rhythm game like that, uh, on Nintendo switch, I, I would highly recommend it for now until until something else comes along, because it's it's a lot of fun um, and I don't think it's that expensive. So definitely worth checking out if you're into that kind of stuff. I'm down. That sound, though, means we're going to go nice. ahead and, and transition into the weekly scoop news report. 18 items on the docket this week. And as always, we're going to kick things off with big news. And the biggest news that I saw this week is something that made me personally happy. As we know, our friends over at THQ Nordic are in the business of acquiring as many IPs and video game franchises as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. They have now acquired Time Splitters and Second Sight. 
So they may have aspirations to do a new Time Splitters game, which would be amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're buying every they're buying everything. Yeah. Well, it's it's it, they are, but when you think about it, Time Splitters and Second Sight were actually THQ properties. Um, but it's funny because those were done by the same so they were both done by Free Radical, which obviously were the original developers of Time Splitters and Second Sight. So pretty freaking cool. It did say THQ Nordic did tease that full details of future Time Splitters and Second Sight products will be revealed in due course. So I'm very happy. At least there will be a new Time Splitters game at some point in the future on either current generation or next generation platforms. Um, and that has me super excited, dude. Time Splitters 2 one of the better shooting games of all time. Like Time Splitters 2 is fantastic. I, I was thinking you, you, you were playing a shooter. <laughs> no, Time Splitters is great. We've talked about Time Splitters before on the show. I'm, I'm sure we have. Yeah, no, Time Splitters is fantastic. Um, let's go ahead and move into some game announcements, though. We have, I think, eight. I think if I'm looking at this right, we have eight game announcements to talk about this week. This one here, though, was we talked about it last week a little bit in the teases and leaks because we were kind of speculating on some future Diablo stuff. And I had said that there was a rumor that Diablo three was coming to Nintendo switch. Well, it actually got, it actually got confirmed (laughs) this past week. So Diablo three eternal collection is coming to Nintendo switch later this year for 59 99. This was according to Kotaku. Um, It is going to include switch exclusive stuff though, from the legend of Zelda franchise, including the legend of Ganondorf cosmetic armor set, a Triforce portrait frame, a chicken pet, and Echoes of the Mask cosmetic wings. Uh, it says here, it says that the Switch version of Diablo 3 will also feature several ways to play with others, including up to four players on a single Switch, up to four players locally on four different Switch units, and online multiplayer. Uh, and there will be support for cloud-based saves. Now, being a huge Diablo fan and being someone that loves your Switch because you get to take it on the go, are you going to buy Diablo 3 on the Switch? No, just because I play Diablo through my PC. I, okay. I just, uh, which reminds me, I need to redownload it onto this PC. You don't want uh, to play through Diablo three as Ganondorf. You know I do. You literally get to be Ganon in Diablo three. I'm Ganon in real life though. Um, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I can't. I can't even say no because I, I It's probably. Yeah, like I, I want it just because I want to play through Diablo three as Ganon. Like that seems so freaking cool to me. Um, I, I, kinda... I, 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 I want to wear Majora's mask and have the special wings. Yeah, which is super cool, too. Super cool. All right. Publisher... If, you get it, let me, if, if, you, if you get it, let me know. Maybe we'll play together. OK, yeah, I'll let you know. Um, Depends on the exact timing it comes out for me. If it depends on if I get it or not this year or not. It may wait till next year. Um, but I kind of do want it, though, because I do want to play through Diablo 3 as canon. I think that'd be sweet. <laughs> Publisher Deep Silver and developer Nine Dots Studio, together with Maximum Games, have announced open world action RPG Outward for PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC. It will launch both physically and digitally in early 2019. A description of the game as provided by Maximum Games. In Outward, you play an adventurer, traveler and explorer. Most importantly, you are vulnerable, equipped with as much power as your adversaries. Survive through wild, brutal lands, teeming with enemies, obstacles, and fantasy creatures, using combat and magic to overcome both the harsh environment and the rivals in your way. 
Outward is an open-world RPG playable alone or with friends, either online or in split-screen co-op. Start from humble beginnings and build your way up until you become a hardened wanderer. Traverse incredible landscapes rich with diversity and life, progressing your skills with each dynamic quest. From what I'm reading and what I'm seeing, I'm intrigued. Uh, it definitely is not like a triple A action RPG. It definitely I, I would I would call this maybe double A. Uh, I, I don't think it's indie by any means, but I do think it's it's definitely not triple A. It seems interesting to me, though. I'm going to keep my eye on this. I definitely am intrigued by the concept and would like to play more and would like to see more. So um, one game that I am very much intrigued by, though, Infuse Studio has announced Spirit of the North, a third-person adventure game coming first to PlayStation 4. A description of the game as provided by the official website, Spirit of the North is a single-player third-person adventure game inspired by the breathtaking and mysterious landscapes of Iceland. The story takes root from various pieces of Nordic folklore. The game is unique in that it purposefully has no dialogue and no narrative. Players must breathe in their surroundings to solve puzzles and speculate the meaning of a lost ancient civilization. Play as an ordinary red fox whose story becomes entwined with the guardian of the northern lights, a female spirit fox. As you journey over the mountains and under red stained skies, you'll discover more about your companion and the land left in ruin. I'm so in, dude. This this no, is, sto no story no no nothing no this is very much journey this is very much Abzu no dialogue oh, okay. no narrative it's all just meant to be told through Virginia it's very much meant to be told through the actions of the game journey had no dialogue and no no narrative as well it was all interpretive and that's what I really like about this I am one thousand percent in love with these types of games um, give them to me all the time and I will play every single one of them. So I'm very much intrigued by this. Uh, I, I will pick this up on PS4 when it comes out. Since it's coming first to PlayStation 4. Next up, Etrian Odyssey X, which launched for Nintendo 3DS in Japan on August 2nd, is coming to the Americas and Europe as Etrian Odyssey Nexus on February 5th, 2019 for $39.99. Publisher Atlas announced the other day. So yeah, as we know, Etrian Odyssey, very popular here uh, on 3DS. One of those first person dungeon crawlers. There's a ton of them. Uh, when this comes out, I'm sure it'll do. I'm sure it'll do amazing. But they did say this will be the last Etrian Odyssey on Nintendo 3DS. So I'm assuming that Big the series Switch. will be moving to the Switch from from here. So which is pretty freaking cool. Uh, the next game announcement, Sci-I Games has announced Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts, a new take on its Sniper Ghost Warrior series set in the Siberian wilderness, due out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC in 2019. Uh, drawing upon community feedback, Contracts delivers tense, mission-based scenarios with CI Games' best sniping ever. This is all thanks to the new Contract system, which takes a step back from Sniper Ghost Warrior 3's open world. In the single-player campaign, players dive headfirst into tailor-made contract missions that offer a clear main objective with a fixed monetary reward, and have the option to complete secondary objectives for bonus payouts. Feel like you can do better? Jump back in and tackle the mission from a different angle. Players can repeat every contract to earn more money. This is basically Hitman. Yeah, that's, a, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting. My, yeah. I, I pulled the video. But. Yeah, no, Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts. It's definitely a much needed break from the series. Uh, the series was definitely getting uh, it was definitely getting stale, uh, not very much fun to play. So I, I'm glad that they're trying to take a different approach on it. Hitman is the only game of its kind. There's only one game out there where you play as an assassin sniper and trying to take out contracts and, you know, targets. So Hitman is the only game out there of, of its kind. 
that's the only assassin game where you go out there trying to take care of targets. Okay, you forget about Skyrim, my friend. Well, that's totally different. You don't play as a, as a sniper in Skyrim. Yeah. What, with what? My bow and the, arrow. That's not the same. Took an arrow to the knee. Um, I no. never shoot you in the knee. In the eyes. I'm the best. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I do think that this is a smart business move for CI games. Um, was I, did I say CI? I think it's, I, I meant CI. I, I think I've been saying CI this whole time. Well, you did say CI. I was like, all right, all right. You, no. Brian, wants, Brian knows something I don't. No, no, it, it's CI. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I just realized that what I was saying was wrong. But I, I think this is a smart move on their part to try to capitalize on a on an area that is... There's not an abundance of there's a ton of first person shooters out there. Not so many where it's just focused on contracts and hitman type of gameplay. So cool move. Will I play it? Probably not. But their press release did say that uh, the game itself is going to have faster loading time. So that's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, definitely needed because they're they're, they're The game was struggling. The game, the yeah. game, you know, the, the 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 franchise was struggling. So this one here is cool. You're going to be like you're going to like this one. Publisher Chuckle Fist. Who obviously we know Chucklefish being the publisher that, you know, they're behind Stardew Valley games like that. Big games. They didn't develop it, but published it. Yeah. And, and developer Hidden Layer Games have announced Inmost, an atmospheric story driven puzzle platformer due out for unannounced platforms in 2019. So it follows three playable characters within one dark interconnecting story in an old abandoned castle. You'll need to explore every nook and cranny, avoid detection, slice your way through enemies and spring deadly traps in order to escape the evil that lurks within. This looks great. Yes. Yeah, no, this looks fantastic. I was looking at the artwork, looking at the screenshots that they had released. Uh, this looks phenomenal. This looks really, really cool. And the story sounds cool. The, the concept sounds cool. So I'm in. Nah, I mean, the art on this in this game in general is I, I would have played it. I, I wouldn't care if it was a dumb game. A lot of lot of a lot of blacks and blues in terms yeah, the, of in but, terms but, of the but, color but, palette. But, but, but like the, the backgrounds. Yep. Agreed. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Agreed. Uh, it looks awesome. So I definitely this is on my radar. Brian is buying this game for me. No, I'm not. <laughs> Publisher P Cube and developer Joystake have announced 2D platformer Songbird Symphony. For PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC, it will launch in spring 2019. Songbird Symphony tells the story of Burb, a young orphaned bird who, having been brought up by a family of peacocks who discovered him when he was an abandoned egg, slowly starts to realize he's somewhat different to the rest of his acquaintances. Setting out a journey of self-discovery, players take charge of Burb as he leaves the nest and heads out into a world bursting with life. I want to play this one, too. It looks charming. Yeah. No, this seems like a very, you know, mid 1990s fun little platformer. Like, you know, back in the SNES Genesis era, this would have never been, you know, one of the marquee games that you were excited about on the Genesis and Super Nintendo. But it would have been a game that you probably rented from the store or at least picked up um, and, and just played through in a weekend or something like that. And that's what that's the vibe I'm getting from Songbird Symphony. I want to play this game. I like that one of his friends is, is is a chicken like still stuck in the egg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like that the the artwork says may the music guide your wings. So I'm wondering if music will be involved in this game a lot because that may, would make me happy. The game called Songbird Symphony better have great music. I'm just saying. No, it better, and I I, I can't wait to, to find out. So, Microids and Eden Games have announced Gear Club Unlimited Two for Nintendo Switch, which makes me think that the first one, which came out last year, did pretty well. 
Uh, it will be launching both physically and digitally later this year. In Gear Club Unlimited 2, players will race along more than one, um, sorry, not 1,000. No, it is 1,800 miles of roads um, at the wheel of the most beautiful cars made up by top manufacturers. The frantic races will take them across varied environments such as snowy mountains, wooded valleys, desert roads, and heavenly coasts as part of championships, missions, and challenges. In their garage, a key feature of the Gear Club Unlimited franchise, players will be able to admire their growing collection of cars and customize them to make them unique and more powerful. But drivers are nothing without their club. Players will be able to create and manage their own club and will have to recruit the best drivers to take on rival clubs from all over the world and reach the top of the podium. I'm glad that this is happening and it's only for Nintendo Switch. Now, from what I understand, we know Gear Club Unlimited was a mobile title, which got ported to Nintendo Switch. It must have done well on the Switch because they're doing the sequel only for Nintendo Switch, not a mobile title. So I'm hoping that this version will look even better than the original and that this may be the actual racer that we need on the Nintendo Switch, like, you know, personal, pure simulation racing. So that's really cool. I'm liking this. That's cool. It's cool. It's make, make, make it look good, though. Just don't, don't make another freaking mobile port because that's not nice. <laughs> agreed. It's not um, nice at all. Agreed. That was the last game announcement, though, so we'll go ahead and move into sales and revenue. We have one thing to talk about here. PlayStation VR has officially sold through more than 3 million units. Really? Yeah, alongside 21.9 million PSVR software titles. Sony Interactive Entertainment announced this past week. So, yeah, pretty freaking crazy. Do the math on that. What is that? No, that's impossible. You should say everyone in VR has an average of eight games. Yeah. They must, and I'm just speculating here, they must be counting the people who are downloading these free games that are VR games into that amount because there's no way. No, because a lot of VR games are only $5 and $10. I didn't factor that into that. Okay, all right. Yeah, fair, no, fair, when, fair. Well, I only had a PlayStation VR for four months and we had like 14 games. <laughs> Brian, you, you review games for a living. That's the thing. No, I know. Um, funny enough, Jessica did all the PlayStation VR reviews so that we did that we put up because I couldn't play the VR. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Teases and leaks. We got two things Excuse to talk me. about here. Excuse Tease me. Please me. The Gamescom 2018 opening ceremony is going to include various world premieres and new game announcements. Remember, this kicks off soon. Uh, tomorrow, actually. The opening tomorrow. ceremony is tomorrow, August 21st. So what we know, Ubisoft is going to present a global premiere. One of your predictions happened to be a Ubisoft premiere. Uh, yeah, so that's possibility more realistically, it's Splinter Cell, which didn't show up at E3, but uh, Prince of Persia would be cool, too. But 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 I think that it's one of those two, um, probably 80 percent Splinter Cell, 20 percent Prince of Persia, if not 90, 10. Yeah. Uh, THQ Nordic is going to introduce a previously unannounced title based on one of the publisher's established brands. So something new. The first trailer for Life is Strange 2 will debut. Oh, nice. Kosh Media and publishing label Deep Silver is going to make a brand new game announcement. And Bandai Namco is going to announce a new game from a European developer. So that's what we know will be taking place tomorrow during the uh, opening ceremony of Gamescom 2018. Uh, You will be able to watch the ceremony live tomorrow. 
on the Gamescom official website, uh, which happens to be 5 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's talk a little Tease and League for Nintendo. Um, new Super Mario Brothers U and new Super Luigi U, which originally released for the Wii U, may be coming to Nintendo Switch after all. Uh, this is according to comic book sources. Uh, comicbook.com is a website. Okay. I'm sure you've known of them. But uh, one of their sources is saying that source their sources connected to Nintendo Europe, who have previously provided the outlet with accurate information on games like Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, have suggested a Nintendo Switch port of new Super Mario Bros. U is in the works. It also claims to have received multiple tips indicating that the port will include the new Super Luigi U add on. Some sources suggest that the Switch release will include additional new content. A potential name for the Switch port is rumored to be New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, which would make sense. While it is unclear whether or not this name is an internal placeholder, the recurring nature of the name among comic books' sources lead the outlet to believe it may be the final title. Um, it's also being rumored that this will release in 2018. And that makes so much sense makes, to me. I was going to say, yeah, you, you put a filler yep. or a port, and this yep. way you give yourself another year for the actual new Mario. Yep, this makes so much sense to me. And I never played Super Luigi U. I don't know if you did on, on the Wii U. I, I played the crap out of Super Mar New Super Mario Brothers U, but I never played the actual DLC that included Luigi. Uh, if this comes out this year, I'll pick it up. I like I like these types of games. Um, I, I would play through it again, specifically, obviously, to play through the new Super Luigi stuff. Uh, these games are fun multiplayer games. Jessica and I have fun playing these games together. So if, if this comes out in 2018, I'll, I'll pick this up because I'm assuming as well. I'm assuming maybe 30, 40 bucks. I don't, if it's 60, I mean, well, it's Nintendo. It's probably going to be 60. It might, it, it'll probably be 60, but it'll probably it'll be a, like a dual thing. They can't just be a port. They'll, they'll add something to it. No, they'll no, no. The, the, they'll definitely add something to it, much like they did with uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So, which again, the Deluxe name, that's why that makes so much sense to me. So pretty cool though. This, this game will hold a special place in my heart just because I played it with Reggie. Oh, that's right. You did. That's right. You absolutely did. All right, dude, you ready? Three delays to talk about this week. Mother. <laughs> well, it is Gamescom week, and obviously a bunch of news comes out around this time. Don't be surprised if we have some delays next week as well. Three delays to talk about this week. The first one is one that really didn't have a set date. Actually, the first two didn't have a set date. But uh, we recently, well, not recently because we don't do the show anymore, but back when we did Game Oracles, we saw a trailer for a game called Nine Monkeys of the Shaolin, which um, I know you were pretty much interested in. It was planned for release later this fall on PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch and PC. It is now since been delayed all the way to winter 2019. So it's this is oh, getting so, a, so, so, so February. Potentially. It could mean February or March or even January, but it also could mean December, November of next year. So we'll have, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what that actually means. But yeah, winter 2019, whether that's beginning of the year or end of the year, we don't know because they didn't say they did release a new Gamescom 2018 trailer, though, which looks pretty cool. Uh, the next one, again, that did not have an official release date. This was only scheduled for fall 2018. Idea Factory International has delayed Super Neptunia RPG from fall 2018 to spring 2019. This is the one that is 2D and it looks like a Super Nintendo game. Uh, one of the ones that I was very much looking forward to this fall, but that's OK. 
Um, put it in the spring. It'll it'll have more time to shine in the spring, I'm sure, because of the nature of the title. So these games always do better in the first half of the year as opposed to the second half of the year. That's just how it is for Japanese games. The last one, though, is the one that hurts the most. Publisher Activision and developer Toys for Bob have delayed Spyro Reignited Trilogy from its previously planned September 21st release date to November 13th. It will be released still for PS4 and Xbox One. How dare you? That's okay. Honestly, though, it's, it's okay. It's, it's it's a month. It's not, no, it's not the worst. Two months, but still. November. November. Oh, yeah. That's math. <laughs> the only thing that sucks is now this is coming out one day before Fallout 76. I'm still getting Spyro, but oh, uh, I, am, I am. I am absolutely getting Spyro as well. It just it's just not going to get played to the level it should have got played. Right. Exactly. So I, I do think this is a very unfortunate delay. Obviously, they still wanted to get it out before Black Friday and before the holiday shopping spree. Uh, I, I just think this is a very un- something must have been wrong because this is unfortunate. September was the perfect time for this game. Uh, it's unfortunate to put it in November after Red Dead and right the day before um, Fallout 76. So that really does suck not good nope random news three things to talk about before you get down out of here out of the uh, weekly scoop news report crystal dynamics the california-based studio behind the tomb raider franchise and the upcoming avengers project which you obviously know of them because of the uh legacy of kane stuff that you are so familiar with and so love so much they have expanded with the creation of a new washington satellite studio called crystal northwest so maybe just maybe they're gonna expand and start working on more game than one at a time which would be cool Yes, I have a whole legacy of games for you to play. (laughs) Hell, make Gex. I don't care. Gex would be great. Yeah. No, I I just saw that news and wanted to stick it in there. I thought it was pretty cool. So Crystal Dynamics is expanding their studios now to a second building. So maybe that means we'll get a second team under them. So that'd be pretty neat. Uh, Two releases to talk about. The Messenger will launch for Nintendo Switch via the Nintendo eShop and PC via Steam on August 30th. Oh, I didn't realize this was only Switch and PC. Very cool. Yeah. I, th- I thought this was coming to PS4 as well. Um, I- I'll I'll probably get this. I'll probably Switch. get it on PC. I'm actually probably getting it on oh. PC. I-, I just play most things on PC now. It's just so much easier for me. But uh, if I get it on Switch, dude, that's fine. But yeah, The Messenger is that one that starts out 8-bit, goes 16-bit, looks fantastic. Coming out August 30th, which sucks because one of my predictions, which came off the wall last week during Gamescom, was that we would get a release date for The Messenger and that it would be in November. I got a half a point on that. I did. They obviously did release the release date during Gamescom week. I'm just off by three months. <laughs> um, you get zero points. There's no half points. No, no. There's half points. There's half points. There's only half points when, when you're losing. <laughs> I'm not losing. You haven't got a single thing right. I'm going to get everything right. Okay. Uh, the, la- the last release date is also for Nintendo Switch. Uh, if you remember Dark Souls Remastered, which launched earlier this year uh, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, got delayed on Nintendo Switch. We now know it's coming out August, October 19th for Nintendo Switch. So they got it working. It's ready to go. They're going to put it out October 19th. So pretty it's a good cool. day. There's nothing really around there. So it's, pretty, it's a good time. No. Yeah. I think the only thing other, the only other thing on the 19th is soul caliber, if I'm not mistaken, with two, to- well, two, two exactly, totally different games where this, this will do well. So the, the, that's a good day for them. And so. just, you know, once that game comes out, you're probably not going to see me for a while. So tell me this soul caliber. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. I don't need to see you anyway. Um, no, the, the people need to see me because okay, 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 but uh, yeah, Messenger that's August 30th, that's uh, soon, that's next week. Dark Souls, though, we got a couple months away, October 19th. Let's go ahead and talk about what's releasing this week. 
in the new releases for the week of August 20th. Couple games to talk about this week. It's not a very heavy week this week, but there's one game in particular here that I'm super excited for. Nothing releasing today, Monday, August 20th. We'll go ahead and move into tomorrow, Tuesday, August 21st. Coming to Nintendo Switch, All Star Fruit Racing. All Star Fruit Racing propels players into vibrant worlds filled with incredible action. Drift through looping bends, soar over monumental jumps, and defy gravity itself around tubular tracks in an explosively colorful racer bursting with championships, modes, and awe-inspiring sights. It's basically a Mario Kart clone with fruit. I like plums. Plums. Mm. Cherries. Nectarines. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's all right. Um, these kart racers generally do really well on Nintendo Switch, which is why I'm assuming it's coming to Nintendo Switch. So it, it, it'll probably at least sell somewhat. Kart uh, racers always do the best there. That's why Team Sonic Racing will probably do really well on Switch as well. Also coming tomorrow on PC and PlayStation 4, a game I just did for Critical Quest, Guacamelee 2. Brawling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brawling has never been more beautiful. The long-awaited sequel to the smash hit action platformer is here. Guacamelee 2 brings luchador Wanaguate out of retirement for a stunning new Metroidvania-style adventure where he must face his greatest challenge yet, one that threatens to tear apart the very fabric of the Mexiverse. Explore a huge handcrafted world inspired by Mexican culture and folklore, filled with sassy new villains and weirdos and a few old friends. Learn a deep repertoire of bone-crunching wrestling moves to fend off these skeletal hordes and overcome skillful platforming challenges. And who said anything about a chicken Illuminati? Certainly not us. So, <laughs> Guacamelee 2 basically stars a, uh, you know, former employee here at Level Down Games, Al Francaro. Uh, this overweight luchador who always wears a championship well, belt. <laughs> he wasn't a, he wasn't overweight, he was festively fit. <laughs> Just kidding, dude. Just messing around. But I, I, I made the joke because if you watched Critical Quest, Juan Aguate in Guacamelee 2, when he starts out, he's still wearing his championship belt. His shirt doesn't fit. It's way too small. Like, he's let himself go. So he is an overweight luchador. El Francaro is not an overweight luchador. I wasn't actually saying you're overweight. Don't don't take offense. No, no, me, me. I'm overweight. El Francaro is in shape. <laughs> <laughs> and young and vibrant. Yeah. Is that why he's your alter ego wow you're the kind of guy who would walk right up to bruce wayne and be like hey batman <laughs> i probably would i probably would yeah uh you're gonna play guacamelee too i am absolutely gonna play guacamelee too good 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 it's fun i liked it a lot make it so make it so here's one for you though i think you're gonna like this one a lot after we just talked about tanglewood last week coming yes. to sega genesis i think you're gonna like this a lot coming to the take a guess what's this coming to the super nintendo nailed it coming to the super nintendo get the hell out of here brian return of double dragon return no way. return of double dragon is the enhanced version of super double dragon which was only released in japan after the original u.s version and contains many significant changes now available for the first time on snes compatible cartridges playable fully in english play alone or have a friend drop in anytime. Billy and Jimmy Lee are young twin brothers who run a martial arts dojo. After their friend Mar uh, Marianne disappears, the Lee brothers fight to rescue her. One to two players control the Lee brothers, masters of the... Oh man, what's the martial art? Is it Sosek Sukin? Is that how you say that? 
I think so. Sasuke yes. and martial arts. A fierce battle with the Shadow Warriors unfolds over seven stages, including extra stages not found in the original US version. In contrast to previous entries in arcade versions, the Lee Brothers' arsenal of moves has increased dramatically. The player can perform over 30 special moves. Many of these moves did not exist in the original US version. Use the power gauge to perform powerful techniques and make use of the new defense feature to change the tide of battle. The action has never felt more real. In addition to throwable items such as barrels, stones, knives, bombs, and boomerangs, there are now real martial art weapons such as the nunchaku and staff to wield in battle. There are also split-level terrain features such as stairways, walls, and crates that you can use to gain the advantage in battle. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. I just pre-ordered this game on a... <laughs> Did you actually? Then I just paid for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it what did it have the Amazon Prime 20% discount? Yeah. Nice. Did you know that Amazon Prime changed a lot of their Amazon Prime discounts? Remasters and re-releases do not count anymore for the 20% off. It's crazy. Huh. So Spyro is not going to count for the 20% off. You know what else doesn't count? All right, so first of all, you're getting Return of Double Dragon. Are you excited for this? Uh, I just paid for it. Of course I'm excited for it. <laughs> um, now, you bought the cartridge, right? Are you going to actually play it in your Super yeah. Nintendo? Absolutely. Cool. You saw this I, I, I just paid 45 bucks for this. I do. It's right there. <laughs> nice. I like how you couldn't even you couldn't even not pre-order it. You just had to get it right then and there. Is this actually on Amazon? Absolutely. Oh, cool. I didn't think it was. I actually thought it would just be sold through the website. I didn't actually know it would be on Amazon. It's awesome. I love it. Pretty cool. So you'll have it. Uh, well, you ordered it today. You actually, that's it, release a delivery. You may have it on Tuesday. Yeah, twenty second, probably. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Nice. Um, but no, as I was saying, the twenty percent off does not count for remasters and releases. I know that because I recently pre-ordered Shenmue One and Two HD, which also comes out tomorrow for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. I pre-ordered that for PS4, no Amazon Prime discount. Son of a gun. So I looked into it, and yeah, they changed their terms and their terms of agreement. It doesn't count for remasters, re-releases, and HD ports anymore. So. Uh, I do believe Amazon's 20% discount is going to go away now that Best Buy's Gamers Club Unlocked is gone. There's no incentive for them to do it. There's no reason to have the 20% off anymore. It's going to go away eventually. For the love of the Frank. No, it's going to go away eventually. But anyway, Shenmue 1 and 2 HD, Sega's most requested re-release of all time, finally comes to a new generation. These pioneering classics deliver an epic story of revenge within a unique open world that is still unrivaled in depth and detail. With an all-new re-release on modern consoles, a new generation of gamers will experience one of the greatest game series of all time. Return to the legendary saga that defined modern gaming. The saga begins again. I'm so ready, dude. I do need to buy this. Yes, you do. We better be that pre-order right now for this one as well. No, I, I, come on, I just spent 50 bucks. You gotta. Yep, you gotta spend 60 now. And no, it's only 30 bucks. Buy it. Show me one into HD. It's literally $30. I'll get to it. Trust me, you know, I'll get to it. It took me a while to get Octopath, but you I'll buy get it, to you, it. You buy it right now. Or as your shirt says, you're gonna get these hands. Okay. Nothing on Wednesday, nothing on Thursday. We move to Friday, August 24th. We have two more games. First coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One, F1 2018. Wasn't it where they still made these? Make headlines in F1 2018. This is the official video game of the 2018 FIA Formula One World Championship. The new game immerses players into the world of Formula One more than ever before. I used to play these on the PlayStation, dude. That's what I'm saying. I, did, I wasn't aware that they still made F1 games. So uh, pretty I, neat. I'm, I've never even played a single one. Oh, really? No, I used to play these on the original PlayStation. 
So that's kind of neat that they're still out there and still making them. I'm, I'm curious if they've been making one every single year. If so, these literally have been flying under my radar. I, I, I wouldn't play them now, but I'm just saying like I used to play these all the time on the PS1. Uh, the last game coming Friday, August 24th, coming to Nintendo Switch and PS4, a game Jessica is currently working on for review, Little Dragon's Cafe. Little Dragon's Cafe opens with a twin brother and sister learning to cook and manage a small cafe with their mother. All was routine until one morning when the twins discover that their mother won't wake up. Suddenly, a strange old man appears and tells them that they must raise a dragon to save her. Working with three quirky cafe employees, the twins must wrangle a, a dragon and run the family business while finding a way to save their mother. We did see this on Game Marvels a few did. times. Uh, it's very much Harvest Moon meets Animal Crossing meets Stardew Valley meets a ton of different games. Cooking Mama. Uh, I don't know. The, the, Jessica's having a blast with this game. She's been playing it nonstop for the past week. So ever since we ever since we got it. So did she, did she get the limited edition with the plushie? No, because we got it uh, code digitally for the review. So. Is in our digital plushie? Come on. We can't say no digital plushies. <laughs> but uh, but but no, obviously, um, we'll, you know, be you shout outs to our friends over at Access Games. They did provide us with an early copy of the game so that way we could do the review. Jessica is deeply involved in it right now, so she's having fun. So. But pick of the week this week. What are you going to go with? Double Dragon. <laughs> really? Two, two, two for two for retro games, huh? The last week you want Tanglewood. Uh, bro, you have no idea how excited I am. I mean, I obviously, you kind of heard a little bit because you heard me clicking like a madman. Yeah. Uh, ready, re ready to ready to jump back in is Bimmy and Jimmy. Although, I gotta admit, I am pretty hyped for the messenger. That's not. You know week. what? I'm taking it back. That's is not that the sweet though. No, didn't even say that. Well, because I thought you skipped it because you're dumb. No, that's August thirtieth. That's not this week. Well, then it's definitely going to be Double Dragon. Bimmy and Jimmy live. Bimmy and Jimmy live. Brian and Grace. Why, why, why did you pick Guacamelee 2 over Return of Double Dragon? I want a Super Nintendo experience uh, that I've never had before. Mm, okay, well. I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I, I, I love what I love. Yeah. Okay. Love is love, Brian. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go shove me one into HD. I'm going to go with an experience that I've already had, but I'm so excited to have it again. <laughs> See, we both want retro games. Well, retro to an extent, I guess. Uh, no, I'm super excited for Shemmy 1 and 2. Uh, I, this is I all, hope it flops. It won't. It won't at all. But this is all I'll play next week, so Warcraft will be taking a little bit of a break when I get my copy on. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll probably... There's a good chance I beat both Shemmy 1 and 2 the same week. Like, I'm that hyped for this game. I, I, will, I will play these games front to back nonstop. Like, I, I, this is one of my favorite video game franchise. It's up there in the top five, if not top three. So yeah, Shen, Shenmue's so good to me. I uh, can't wait to experience the story again. Can't wait to see. I'm sure there's things I've forgotten, dude. I haven't played Shenmue one since 2000, and I haven't played Shenmue two since like 2004, 2005. So, you know, we're talking 13 plus years since I yeah, even like touched the franchise. Years. 20 years since the first, 13 plus for the second. So. Uh, I'm ready to experience these games again and see if there's even things I don't remember. But uh, no, that sound means it is time to transition into our main discussion for this episode. And in a previous episode of the Maxwell podcast, we talked about our origin stories in terms of video games where, you know, how you and I got started playing games. We talked about how we got our NESs, our Super Nintendos, all that kind of stuff. One thing we actually didn't talk about, though, 
is our origin stories for PCs and not necessarily just PC gaming, but PCs in general. Like what I want to talk about here is the very first time Frank and Brian ever got a personal computer. Uh, I want you to go first. I've been talking too long. Okay. Uh, so obviously my, my, my first experiences with computers were the Commodore 64s that we had those in school, in, in school, in elementary school, mm-hmm. playing the Oregon trail and th- things of that such. Uh, it just so happened though, that the person who was in charge of the computer lab is my best friend's mother. Okay. The person who I currently rent from upstairs, his mother was in charge of the computer lab. Okay. Uh, and just being, you know, family friends as well, they she actually convinced my parents into buying us a PC. You know, like this is the future. You know, you can get a word processor. The you future know, you actually, is now. You know, you, you could. She, she never once mentioned games, which I appreciate her doing that. Uh, but she, she's like, you know, you'll, you'll be able to do um, you know, write, write reports, and it'll be good for his homework and all, all the educational stuff that she mentioned there. And she duped my parents into getting a computer. Nice. Uh, and I do believe we had. We have Windows. We have MS DOS. was before Windows ninety five. It was definitely before Windows ninety five. You're on. You're on NT then. Windows NT. No, was that what that was called? Mm-hmm. Windows NT. Yep. So, um, it was you know very very plain looking Windows, but I had friends and they had games. This is the the era of shareware. Yeah. So the very first game that I played on my PC was built into MS-DOS, and it was called uh, Gorilla.DAS. And it's a very, very rudimentary game. It's two gorillas standing in a randomly generated cityscape with buildings in between them, and they throw exploding bananas at each other. And you have to calculate the—it's—it's it's, it's math. You have to calculate the angle and the velocity that you're throwing the banana at each other. And the whole idea is you want to hit them to kill them. And if you—if you miss, you blow up the, the cityscape around. So it's kind of like uh, like tank wars and such. Sure. Uh, that was the first game. But I'm like, wow, this this is computer gaming. This is horrible. I got a Nintendo. It's no, that was just that was just a basic game. Because the also the other game they had there was Snake. Mm-hmm. The, the classic game snake and in my head I'm like just stupid like why why do we get a computer you know, we, we have Oregon Trail on the Commodore 64 why would we get a Commodore 64 mm-hmm. and my friend comes over with a disc he pops it in uh, and it's Hugo's House of Horrors oh okay part of that uh, never played it but uh, I've heard of it so it's this is, this is what took me down the dark path that uh, I've been playing to this day of games with Point and click, but text-based as well. So, when Hugo's House of Horrors, uh, Leisure Suit Larry, all these games like that, even uh, Maniac Mansion to a certain extent, but not as much, you would actually type what you wanted them to do. So you, you can move them around, mm-hmm. but uh, if your character is standing in front of a hammer, you'd be like pick up hammer. Uh, there's a there's a portion of there was a trilogy of Hugo's House of Horrors games. It was one of them where he's locked in a cage by some cannibals. Mm-hmm. And, and the only thing, he, only thing he has on him is he has some clay that he uh, that he found. He has some safety pins uh, and stuff like that. So what you do is you actually take, you say make voodoo doll, stick with pin, and use that to actually kill the guard. Like it nice. was cool. Like you, you're using your mind a lot, to, and you have you have to pretty much come up on the fly what you're going to do. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Maybe 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 these games are fun. 
Got my cousin Tony, who uh, lives in Ohio. Ohio represent. Woo! <laughs> oh, H! Yeah, so, so he came over. I know. Uh, Sorry, someone else had to yell the I.O. off screen. <laughs> he came over with uh, a, a couple of discs for me. Or floppies. Um, one of them was this game. 3.5 inch discs. They were they both shooting games. The first one was this game where you kill a bunch of Nazis. Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Huh? The, ga- the game that pissed my mother off to no end. Yeah, you've told this story before, I'm pretty sure. No, I, I think that actually, that might have been Doom that pissed her off to no end. Wolfenstein pissed her off as well, because she's like, what are you doing putting the shooter, uh, giving me these shooting games? You know, I don't like that. I'm like, whatever. That's fine. We're killing Nazis. You know, Grandpa killed Nazis. <laughs> You still like killing Nazis to this day, too. I, I still play Wolfenstein to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he gave me that. He also gave me Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he started that, that that dark chapter of my life of uh, playing Doom like 14 hours and not doing my homework and going to school tired. Yeah. T- t- lying to my mother, telling her that uh, I'm not playing the computer. But everything changed me at once. You know, Windows, I think it was 95, 96, when AOL 95. became a thing. Yeah, Windows 95 in that area. I think AOL, I think, was... I think it started in, like, 94, 95. It really became popular around 96-ish. Because I had yeah, I had the internet before. I had uh, CompuServe mm-hmm. before, before that. But once AOL happened, uh, and I don't advocate this, guys, but I'm just gonna, I'm going to be honest with you. I went to the chat rooms, and it was the first time I ever heard of uh, Wares or Juarez, however you want to pronounce it, illegal illegal games. Sure. Uh, and everyone was sharing, and I'm like, wow, this is kind of weird. Uh, and you know, people would just email you tons and tons of stuff. Sure, but they were just laced with viruses and shit. They were laced with viruses and shit. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's, exactly, it's exactly where I wanted to go with this. <laughs> so I remember... And uh, trust me, many people paid for this. Yeah. Uh, I remember downloading uh, an emulator for the Game Boy with Aye. all the current Game Boy games up till that point. And I managed to put it on the disc and make copies and I handed them out to my friends like, dude, we have all the Game Boy games. Okay. Oh, that virus. <laughs> Some of them are still mad at me to this day. Like, why would you give us a virus as if that were as if that was my intent? It was. Yeah, that was my intent. Yeah. yeah so I paid dearly for that ever since I stopped doing that. That was when, that's when I stopped uh, downloading these stupid things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still download a game or two now and then, but I, I get through Steam. OK. Yeah, sure. The legal way. The, the, the legal way. I'll pay a little bit of money uh, to support the, the, the actual release. But oh, my God. I had the world at my fingertips. I played every game. I used to remember going to CompUSA, which is a, a chain of computer stores out here. Mm-hmm. And just, I bought all the LucasArts games. I bought all the, I bought all my puzzle games, Myst, that I've talked about and gushed about. Yep. But, but everything started with a simple two gorillas throwing bananas at each other. That would poo. It would have been the game uh, a little more interesting. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, but that, uh, those are my humble beginnings now. I think I pay maybe 50% PC, 50% uh, console. Okay. I, I think you lean a little bit more heavily towards console. 
I was leaning more towards console. But I've been downloading everything on the PC as of late. I told you it's easier, dude. It's easier. Like I, I'm always sitting here at the PC, so that's why I just tend to, you know, if it comes out on PC, I'm leaning more towards just always buying it on PC because I, I'm always here. Like, yes, my my literally my PS4 Switch, a comfortable reclining chair is not even five feet away from me over here to the right hand side of me. But I'm always here at the computer. My Techni Sport chair is also really comfortable. I'm just, I don't know. I'm always just, I'm just, I don't move that often. So, <laughs> plus I got, I got a Steam Link. So if I really do want to play on yeah. the TV, I can. Right. My literally my PC is close enough that I can run an HDMI from my TV to my PC and play that way too, though. I probably could do that if I wanted to, uh, you know, get off my butt and do it. Reduce the lag. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, much like you, my origin story for PCs starts in elementary school. Um, it wasn't with the Commodore 64, though. I, I ours, you know, we had the upgraded version. I think we had Apple twos. So, um, you know, this obviously we as we talked about in a previous episode of BG Mania, where we looked at Amiga music, um, Commodore and Apple were really in in fierce competition with one another in terms of early PCs. But yeah, in our computer lab, we had Apple twos. So I learned how to type on an Apple. Um, the first game I ever remember playing was Lemmings. And oh, wow. OK. Yeah. So so early, early 90s, I was playing Lemmings in the computer lab when we were supposed to be doing things. I would have Lemmings up. And, you know, obviously the way it always worked is the teacher stood in front and we were looking at our screens. I always sat in the back. So that way I could play Lemmings and no one could actually see me, you know, that I wasn't doing the work that I was supposed to be doing. And, that, and that's that's just funny if I may interject for a half a second. Go here. for it. They put these games on these computers mm-hmm. and they expect, they expect you not to play them. Oh, no. I mean, they they were locked, but I, I was smart even as a kid to where I knew how to unlock stuff. So, um, you know, I, you know, I'm pretty good. And even now when it comes to technical stuff, when it comes to PCs and all that, you know, just I, I know my way around. So I was able to, even as a child, I figured out how to work around locks and bypasses. And, you know, I, I forget exactly what I had to do to get Lemmings to run. But, you know, if I just double clicked it, it wouldn't run. It was blocked. But there were ways around it, much like, you know, when I <laughs> well, at work, you know, when I actually worked in offices and stuff, you know, websites would be blocked through firewall. I know I know how to disable that on my personal computer. I was able to to do a bunch of different things that, you know, the tech support team had no clue what I was doing. Like I I, I was I, I basically I, I can manipulate a lot of different things when it comes to that, when it comes to servers and and, and just bypassing things that I'm not supposed to be able to um, and not illegally. But I mean, like if, you know, bypassing a lock in the school to play a game, that's not illegal. Getting on the Internet at work. I don't consider that illegal, even though they probably were pissed off and if they ever figured it out. But uh, I, I'm not doing illegal things, but I know how to bypass things and and, and still do things, um, you know, within legal means. I'm, I again, I don't do things that are illegal because I like to stay on the correct side of the law instead of the incorrect side of the law. I don't like being on the incorrect side of the law. It's not fun. Getting pulled over is not even fun when you're speeding. I hate that. <laughs> so, um, but no, so Lemmings was my first game on PC. It wouldn't be until 1997 when I got my first computer. And I know it was 1997 because I already had my Nintendo 64. I already had, you know, that which I got Christmas Eve 1996. I told the story about how I got out my grandma's house, came home. Well, In 1997, my Christmas gift, so again, we're going Christmas 97, was a Hewlett Packard PC. So my grandma ordered this PC. I I don't remember exactly where she got it from. It wasn't the Home Shopping Network or QVC. It may have been Finger Hut. She ordered a lot of things from Finger Hut. 
So I got a, a Hewlett Packard PC, which for the time was pretty state of the art in, in the mid 90s. Um, it came with a bunch of free games. You know, you and I were trying to think of the one I was talking about. I'm pretty sure you played as a rabbit, but I don't remember for sure. But you it was went Shaz, in. Shaq Rabbit. It wasn't. It wasn't. I looked at that one. Um, but uh, I, I think you play as a rabbit. It was a, it was an early childhood educational game where you went around, you did things, you met like these woodland creatures, you were able to color pictures. I don't remember the name of this game, but that was the first thing that I remembered when I set my computer up. My aunt, um, who, you know, I'm still I still kind of close with to this day. Um, you know, she was very much big into computers as well, just like I was. She came over the minute she found out I got a computer and her and I, you know, with my grandma and mom standing behind us, we sat down. And we're just exploring this computer. Um, you know, we we put this game in. We're playing it just completely enthralled and captivated by what's going on. Um, this is when I first signed up for American Online AOL. So, you know, I'm I'm creating my screen name, logging in, just kind of doing all these things. And they're, they're, my, my aunt, my mom and grandma just amazed by what's going on. Like, you know, just seeing everything that's out there and everything that this computer can do. I immediately jumped into a chat room. Uh, this is when WWE actually had a presence on AOL. They were able, you know, they had their own chat rooms and stuff. I jumped Use into that. Keyword, exactly. Exactly. So I jumped into their chat room. I'm talking to people like this. It's just so freaking cool. And, you know, they're like, wow, are these like real people? Like, you know, this is when you could instant message people on there and you got to be careful. There's a bunch of weirdos. There's still a bunch of weirdos in 2018, but, uh, you know, I'm talking to these people, making friends. I made some good friends to this day that I still have that I met through AOL. Uh, one of them being the dude sitting underneath me uh, on this podcast. Like, you know, I just I, I've met a lot of people through uh, through AOL and a lot of friendships that. Well, you're the only friendship that I still have that persists through this day. But um, I, I do. I, I keep asking myself, why? Why? why Lord, exactly. Why? Exactly. Why? <laughs> but uh, no, I made a lot of good friends through AOL. Um, just pretty cool through and, and, and even more so aim when, you know, aim became a much popular thing. But much like you, I was into the point and click adventures and LucasArts games. And after I got my PC and my buddy, Jason, um, he had the floppy disk for full throttle. And I borrowed it off of him, installed it on my computer, and immediately that became one of my favorite games back then. And still to this day, I love Full Throttle. I like the HD remaster is great. Uh, Full Throttle is such a fantastic game. So glad he let me borrow his his actual disc so that I could play that. Uh, he also let me borrow um, Grim Fandango because he had that one as well. So played through that. But uh, yeah, I just I, I wasn't all about PC gaming until recently, like within the past few years. I mostly used PC for work up for the last few years um you know just i i never was a huge pc gamer besides world of warcraft and mmos games that were designed i think solely for pc everything else i tended to be like you i lend lean toward nintendo sony playstation um you know even microsoft xbox to an extent but i i only ever used pcs for games that i couldn't get on a console now I, was I ask yeah, yeah I, I i really only played games that you know were exclusive to pc on pc but now I'm kind of playing almost everything on PC at this point in my life. I, I still don't consider myself PC Master Race because I, I do. Obviously, pref I like playing on my Switch. I like playing on my PS4, but it's just the the ease and the comfort and the, you know, just the I, I guess ease is the best way to put it. Not ease the game, but ease in EASE is the it just uh, it's just it's easy for me. So I don't know. But uh, 
much like you and like the comp USA story that you told my aunt and I always used to go to we used to go to the movies all the time a couple maybe once or twice a month she would take me out to a movie you know I, I would always go to her house when my mom was at work or something for like a weekend and I'd go spend a Saturday with her and she's you know the reason why I love astronomy we'd go out there and we'd look up at the stars at night and use telescopes and um, uh, she got a computer, got a computer a couple years after me. I would, I mean, we would play Mahjong on her computer. She's a huge fan of Mahjong. We'd sit there and play Mahjong. Um, and I would eventually, she'd get me the copy that she had cause we could play it together online and we would call each other, you know, I'd call her on the phone and we'd play these games and it, it was just fun, dude. My aunt was big into computers like I was, and I had someone in the family that I could connect with for that reason. So it was pretty cool. But before we would go to the movies, like we were waiting for the showtime to start, we'd go get our tickets and then we'd go, we'd walk over to office max. And go. Office Max, much like CompUSA, had a selection of PC games where you could go in and just get some random crap, which is where I eventually they had, they, they had they had the racks of like cheap games. Too. Yeah, you would be able to get these like compilation games where you have like ten and one or five and one or sometimes even as much as one hundred and one if they really sucked. But uh, that's where I eventually picked up the Oregon Trail and was my initial experience with that. And I know a lot of people's experience with the Oregon Trail is through school. Mine wasn't. Um, I never played the Oregon Trail in school. Uh, I, I mostly played Lemmings in school, but uh, I, I played the Oregon Trail. You know, I got that, fell in love with it, still like it to this day. Um, I, and I think I could have played it because there was a, a, a version of Oregon Trail on that Apple II computer that I had in the computer lab at school. Um, I just always liked the way Lemmings looked, and that's what I tended to play during computer class. But uh, yeah, Oregon Trail, I played through that. And then a game that I'm definitely glad I remembered, Wishbone and the Amazing Odyssey, which was published in 1996. And Wishbone was a show that I used to watch as a kid. Yeah, it was a little dog. Yeah, the little Jack Russell Terrier dog. Um, this is where he basically played Odysseus and it starts off in Troy and he, it's basically it, it's, it's a point and click game. So it's another one of those. But, you know, Wishbone is Odysseus and you are going through these caves like, you know, the the Polymetheus caves. You go see Cersei. You see the freaking um, the Cyclops. You, you go through Ithaca and it's just really freaking cool. And I really liked the way it was done. I, I tell you what, I played through this game probably 20 or 30 times. Um, Wishbone. And it, yes. Wishbone and the Amazing Odyssey. I kind of want to play it now that I'm talking about it. And I'm curious if there's a version that exists that actually runs on Windows 10. Because I tell you right now, it's that's not a, on that's Steam. Our, that, that's our mission. We're going to find it. It's not on Steam. I'm telling you that right now. Um, you know what? I may have to do a critical quest of Wishbone and the Amazing Odyssey if I can find a copy that uh, if I could find a copy that actually I can get legally on PC. I still have my copy. I could. I do have a, a I don't have a disk drive on my PC, but I, I do have one that I could plug in through USB. I could see if I could get my old copy to work and play it that way, too. Do it. I may have to I do wanna, it. I, I, I want to see this. You have I'm, no idea. I'm I may have to do a critical quest for Wishbone and the Amazing Odyssey because I think I could run through the game in probably an hour. If not even that. But uh, I don't know, dude, I just and, and ever since then, I've just been enthralled with PCs. So I, I constantly build new ones. Uh, I get a new one every couple of years. The one I have now showing its age, I built we built this one in 2006, 15, 2016. It's definitely time for me to upgrade, um, especially because of everything that I'm doing and, you know, needing to stay on the cutting edge of technology. So uh, I, I'm really thinking next year, 2019 will be the year that I upgrade my PC again. So. And and by upgrade, I mean, I'm building a completely new one. 
because I'm keeping this one as a as a as an oh, alternative PC. Let, let me have it. No, no, no. Uh, your PC is identical to mine, basically, that I have well, now. I, I just want it for some home automation stuff. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I need it for uh, I, like I said, I want to have a battle station set up here. I want to be able to edit and um, do play games and do things like this. PC is going to continue to be my editing PC, but I will have a separate gaming PC now. Okay. Um, but yeah, no. So that's that's my PC origin story. Uh, there's oh, a lot. There, there's a lot of other. And exactly. There's a lot of other stories that I could probably remember, but just not off the top of my head. I can't think of them right now. So I'm sure we'll have more to say uh, in terms of all this kind of stuff in discussions on future episodes of Max Level, because obviously we're not going anywhere. Any can't time stop, can't soon. Stop. Ooh, that means it's time for a little kickstart my heart, though. And you know what? I want to do something different this week for kickstart my heart. I'm not going to do the game that you showed me last week. Okay. Because that one, obviously, I, I don't want to promote that one because it's it's kind of touchy subject. The one that you showed me. All right. But I did find one that's somewhat similar that I do want to promote because holy crap, this game exploded when it hit Kickstarter two days ago. So this is a hack and slash dungeon crawling video game where you will capture the hearts of weapons to level them up in a romance game where you're basically leveling. I'm sorry, where you're basically romancing your weapons. The game is called Boyfriend Dungeon Date Your Weapons. And holy crap, this looks fun. But yeah, this exploded when it hit Kickstarter two days ago. They were looking for $50,213. It's doubled its goal already. They're sitting at $106,118 with almost 4,000 backers, still 28 days to go. They've already reached three stretch goals. They're working towards the fourth. And yeah, so let's talk about this a little bit. You will forge relationships and save love itself. Boyfriend Dungeon is an action RPG dungeon crawler in which the weapons you use transform into beautiful people. Take them on dates to level them up and become more powerful together. Date up to six weapons from dancing swords to heart piercing daggers. Generated action combat and challenges. Various combat styles, for example, hit hard and dodge quickly with a dagger or take on crowds with laser saber. Inclusive, tasteful approach to gender and sexuality, including male, female and non-binary romance. Take your weapon babes on romantic outings, such as to the club or to the beach. The couple that slays together stays together. Um, I like the aesthetics that some of these screenshots are showing, like some obviously it has it kind of has like a retro wave feel to it a little bit based off of the, the art palette and color palette that they're using. Um, but it, the, the gameplay is really what stuck out to me of this. I love hack and slash dungeon crawlers. There's a GIF on here that shows one of the characters slashing through like a, a crab or like a beetle type enemy and some scarabs. The gameplay looks fun. It looks very much like a roguelike, very much like, you know, think um, obviously these, you haven't played these games. It's very much like Moonlighter, where it's it's a hack and slash game. Um, original, even like these are inspired by the original Zelda so much. I mean, they, that these games are always inspired by that. Um, and they're fun to play. These games are just fun to play, which has me excited for for Boyfriend Dungeon. Date your weapons, I'm assuming is the official name of the game. So there's five weapons. There's the Talawar, the Dagger, the EP, the Laser Saber and the Glaive. And each one obviously, you know, corresponds to a person. So Sunder corresponds to the sword. He likes clubbing, night owls, hair products, and he dislikes strict rules and cynics. <laughs> 
Uh, Valeria corresponds to the dagger. She likes travel, high art, scotch whiskey. She dislikes liars and ducks. <laughs> Isaac corresponds to the uh, EP, which is a saber. Uh, he likes cuisine, philosophy, and meditation. It dislikes selfishness and greed. Uh, Seven corresponds to the laser saber, which is a sweet looking sword. He likes That's pretty cool. Yeah, he likes playing guitar, chilling in horror movies, dislikes shallowness in fan clubs. And then uh, Sawyer corresponds to the glaive, uh, likes poetry, social justice, and video games, dislikes pressure and snobs. Uh, there will be a sixth character added through Kickstarter if it succeeds, which will be a uh, Brass Knuckles, corresponding to Pocket the Cat, who likes sunbeams, fish, and boxes, of course, and he dislikes other cats and unrequited affection. <laughs> uh, I don't know, dude, this is just a cool idea. I like this, so it's kind of like a visual novel mixed with a romance game, mixed with a dating simulator mixed with a dungeon crawling RPG like this. I don't know. I'm really intrigued by this. I don't usually play visual novels. I don't usually play romance games. It's more Jessica's niche. That's her thing. I'm going to play this one, though, because of the gameplay and the combat. Like, I, I like the hack and slash dungeon crawling stuff. I like the way that you're walking. Like, there's another gif on here uh, where you are, are exploring Verona Beach. Uh, you can go to the apartments, the park, the mall. Um, I'm assuming to go on dates and stuff. But uh, it, it just looks cool, dude. And in the, in the combat, like there's some bullet hell mechanics involved. It's very roguelike. It's very, you know, dungeon crawling. The, the, the combat in the gameplay looks very strong. And I think that's where this game is going to succeed. But there's a lot of different mechanics used in this game. Again, it's called Boyfriend Dungeon Date Your Weapons. Check this out on Kickstarter. Um, they're currently going for their fourth stretch goal, which will be transform transformation sequences for all weapons, which you'll be able to see the weapon actually transform into their human counterpart. I like I like their second stretch goal. Oh, the Hatoful boyfriend thing. Yeah, because Rowan Blair is a guy who created Hatoful boyfriend. Nice. That's nice. cool. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, all you need to do is pledge $15 to get a copy of the game and your name in the credits. And this will be due out by September 2019 is what they're saying. So again, it's a different type of game. It's not one that I expect you're going to play, but I would kind of recommend keeping an eye on it because it, but I don't think you play enough of these types of games and I don't know why you don't play these dungeon crawling hack and slash games. Oh, I play dungeon crawling hack and slash. I don't play, uh, I don't play uh, dating your, your weapon kind of games. But what if, what if it ends up being really well? What if it ends up being good? I'm sure that it will. I look forward to Jessica's review of this game, but it looks fun. Check it out. I'm excited, but dude, that's going to bring us to the close of the show, unless you have anything else you wanted to discuss before you get out of here. Just that I love each and every one of you. Okay, that's nice of you, but that's going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to Max Level made possible by leveldowngames.com. And thanks again to Dance with the Dead for all the awesome music. Regardless of where you're enjoying this content, be sure to show your support by leaving a review or a comment, hitting that like button. And if you aren't already, subscribe on YouTube. Be sure to also follow us over at twitch.tv slash games for all of our live streams and event coverage and on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook if you want to follow us across social media. And again, remember to uh, leave us reviews, ratings on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We need more of them. I noticed that we're starting to get more. We're starting to actually show a number. We're starting to show a score. Sitting at the five stars, which is great. Thank you for those reviews. But uh, we, we need more for both Max Level, BG Mania, Revisiting the Classics, and our wrestling podcast. Well, it's not a podcast anymore about our wrestling predictions. So if you listen to our content on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, just consider dropping a five-star rating and leaving us a review so that way we can we can climb up those charts because uh, climbing up the charts means more people will find the show. But yeah, check the description box below for the appropriate links. Until next week, 
Keep gaining experience until you reach max level.